Hey everybody, this is Trevor from Slayhouse Publishing Presents Lit Bits. I just wanted to introduce today's episode a little bit. We had acclaimed sci-fi and fantasy author Marina Lostetter come into the studio to talk with us a couple weeks ago. We recorded multiple episodes with her, and I just wanted to kind of preface today's episode because it's actually kind of a part two and a callback to a conversation we had in her interview. We're playing this stuff out of order today because it is Pride Month, and the conversation that we have in this episode is mostly focused on the LGBTQ community and um, LGBTQ rights and what we should be doing either as members of that community or as allies to that community. So because it's a little self-referential, I just wanted to kind of preface this is the angle that we're kind of coming from for this episode. And I really want to uh, just thank Marina Lostetter again for being so gracious with her time and, and just being awesome and I really hope that you get something out of this episode. Look forward next week when we release her full interview and the follow-up episode we do with her um, about a very cool short story that she came to share with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Slate House Publishing recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. This is uh, Slayhouse Publishing presents Lit Bits. This is Jeremy, and that was our discussion on roping on Trevor roping Marina Lostetter in for a Dungeons and Dragons game. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna no, do it. She's gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. As always, with me is as Trevor and Curtis. Uh, and we are joined today by best-selling author. I'm still going to call you best-selling oh, author. Hey. <laughs> um, best-selling uh, author. Multi-genre, <laughs> fellow Fayette villain author, Marina Lostetter, <laughs> and Trevor's partner, Kate. Uh, and so today we have a kind of a special episode we're going to yeah, talk a little bit about. Just a, mm. a bonus episode uh, for those of you out there in the yeah. ether. Who because are we love you so much, we want to offer up this bonus episode. Thank you. But real quick, right right before we jump into it, thank you both for being here with us again. Yeah, um, yeah. We really appreciate your time and really appreciate having you in the studio. So, yes, Trevor, jump jump into the topic. I, uh, I, uh, there was a conversation I wanted to revisit. Um, and I, I want to revisit the, the conversation just again, kind of about representation um, and, and speaking specifically to, um, you know, this moment in, in Pride Month and, and as discourse is kind of changing, um, we're talking a lot about the role of media, right, in, in how, um, how we, we kind of make sense of the world and, and who we are. And, and I think, um, you know, considering, too, um, what our roles as either allies of the LGBTQ plus community are or just being a member of the LGBTQ plus community um, in this this, you know, kind of specific moment as things are kind of changing and things are kind of scary. Um, I, I, I just kind of want to open the floor um, because I know that we have um, some members of the LGBTQ community with us and, you know, allies of that community. Um, I'm not I'm not sure exactly how to, like, pose the question out there. So I just kind of want to open the floor to, to you and Kate um, to talk a little bit about your experiences. We're a couple of bi ladies. Is that where we're <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So that's how we fit in into the quilt bag. The quilt bag that is the, the 
LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, I just like to say queer because I'm I'm lazy like that. <laughs> I, you know, I I've been relying on that um, quite a bit lately. You know, just just queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that queerness is an important term. Um, because I think you know, in one, it can kind of be a little bit of a catch-all. Yeah. Um, but I it's think an it, o- it's an ownership term too. I think. No, I. I, I because totally originally agree. it was intended to be an insult, and I feel like the community has taken We've it back reclaimed and, and, it. and reclaimed ours. it and said, "This is <laughs> cannot insult us." And it, it's a very important uh, reclamation. Yes. Right? I think. Um, I know that my my parents, especially, are are not super hip to. Um, you know, kind of the queer movement, the LGBTQ plus movement. Um, they're very, I mean, historically very, very conservative. Um, and even now, I think they're they're struggling to wrap their heads around it. And, um, you know, we will be out um, just out and about and, and my parents will see something um, queer and they'll they'll kind of like, you know, jolt a little bit. It's like my mother has this reaction when you say the word fuck uh, in front of her. She'll just like, oh, God. Um, but it's the same reaction when my father in- encounters anything gay. He, like we were at the, the store, um, the bookstore. There was a book uh, called The Gay BCs in the, the kids section. Um, and there was just this like instinctual reaction like, oh, God, what? the gay BCs. Oh. <laughs> Like he was stung by a mosquito or yeah. something. <laughs> or a bee or something. Or a bee. And I, I think, <laughs> uh, I'm uh, now I'm thinking like stung by a bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's super funny. Um, and I just, you know, I, I frequently think about this because my partner um, is queer. And, and as a result, I, you know, I am in a queer relationship too. And maybe I still, um, you know, present as a, a cishet white male, but you know, I am in a queer relationship. And I think that that does have an impact on my life and the way that I think about, um, my sexuality, the way I think about my spouse's sexuality and, and just the way that, that I think too about, our role in the community outside, you know, the people that I interact with, the people that I see, I teach, you know, many of my students, um, many of my students uh, belong to the queer community. Um, I've had um, gay students, I've had bi students, I've had um, trans students, I've had some students that came in um, while they were going through their transition. Um, and I've, you know, so I've kind of been privy to seeing the transformation that they go through um, and, and the difficulty of trying to just completely revamp their their appearance to the world, you know, um, come into themselves. And I, I think often just about what my duty is then, you know, as someone who's in a queer relationship, um, as someone who interacts with uh, this uh, queer community on a daily basis you know what is my duty to them what is my duty to this community um how can i recognize their struggles um and be an effective ally to them kate what are some of your thoughts how do you think people best help you what are some of the concerns that you have in this political moment um I think erasure was kind of the, that even people in the queer community, right, would 
if you're bi and you're oh, yes. in a period, you know, appear to be in a heterosexual relationship. Yes, that, uh, as we were talking earlier, um, that's been a, a big struggle for me um, coming to terms with my sexuality. Um, I appear straight because I'm married to a man, um, but I still have to be true to myself. Um, and it's, it's taken me a while to realize, you know, I am still valid even though I'm not acting on my bisexuality, so to speak. Um, I don't know if you feel that way too, being yeah, married to I a man. Yeah, I think it, um, so especially early on when you start off and you don't have a lot of vocabulary and you don't have a lot of, you know, people that you know. So it's, it's really interesting for me because I feel like I grew up thinking nobody was like me and then yeah. like slowly realizing actually there are a lot of people like me around me. Like yeah. as I was growing you're like you're all in your own little bubbles like oh no I'm going through this thing. Yeah. And then suddenly you realize look back and you're like oh no we were all going through this thing. <laughs> but you live in a society that like is trying very hard for you to not acknowledge the thing. Yeah. Right? So you don't have a lot of vocabulary yeah. to go through. You don't have a lot of you don't know who to reach out to. You keep being told that you're wrong in some way, so you're like, I don't know who I can trust with this. Yes. Um, so now on the other side, when you're like, all right, well, I've gone all the way through, I'm in my relationship now, but a relationship doesn't define you and your queerness. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, it's an aspect of life. Like, you're not, you don't suddenly become straight because you are with a man, like, just because, yeah. like, you know, it's like, you don't stop being attracted to other humans. <laughs> just, yeah. like, right, right, just say right. you're in a straight, you're just straight people. Yeah. They, they don't instantly stop being straight for other people. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it, it, I, I think it does make sense. <laughs> like when you're bi, you're still bi. It doesn't matter who you're in a relationship with. The relationship doesn't define your queerness. You you define your queerness. Well, that's like expecting, I mean, like, you know, as cis, het, you know, men, all, I, I think all three of us here in the room, um, we're all three married. Um, you know, we, we still find that attraction too women who aren't our wives necessarily. I mean... But, like, it doesn't just, a, like, disappear. It just doesn't... Like, yeah, you know, it's that, that's I the aspect. That's, it just yeah. doesn't disappear. Yeah, it doesn't disappear. Just, that's always going to be an aspect of, of right. uh, human life. I, I'll, I'll just throw this out there. You know, um, I, I... In college, I, I really struggled with um, just, like, grasping, like, what is the role of attraction in um, how we interact with other people? You know, because whether or not we think about it, there are some kind of, like, unconscious decisions that we make around people that we find attractive, the exactly. way that we treat them, you know, the way that, that we think about them. Um, friendships are oftentimes, like, if, if you look at a friendship, there is... Um, a certain level of attraction that drives friendship forward. Like, just sociologically speaking, right, when you interact with a new person, um, some of of the amount of energy that you are willing to put into building that friendship uh, revolves around a, a certain level of attraction. And I'm not saying that it's a, a sexual attraction or anything like that, right? Like, but, and but I was going to add like to a, it, it's the other, of attraction. the other kind of, uh, like, paradigm that we kind of close that in or whatever is is that attraction always indicates like physical or something visual and it doesn't necessarily have to be that either like there, there can certainly be different forms of attraction right right yeah, i mean but absolutely. that seems to be the go-to for a lot of people so that's what i want to clarify here right it's yeah, not yeah, necessarily yeah. yeah i don't know i guess the question i have is and i think about maybe this is just me it's always been me but i think about generationally how groups of people have responded. Um, I know before we called them boomers, they were the known as the me generation, the me, 
you know, they were very, they, they've identified and they've been identified as a selfish generation. I think that was part of the backlash for like my generation, which was Generation X. We were like, you know, we can't. And so Generation X has always had its own struggles as well, too. And we've got, you know, we've tried to make some some progress, but we didn't get as far as we needed. The millennials have come along. I think you guys initiated the counterculture. We did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. we 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 really did. Um Away from like people don't realize like they want to say the counterculture started with the hippies, but the hippies were actually very selfish. They were like very. Look at them now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at them now. I mean, that's, yeah. So, they're so still, I guess they're still alive. They're still. Yeah. I mean, they're the boomers. Do, yeah, they're, they're still the boomers. Boomer shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we we Those were. Damn the, I feel like the other way. <laughs> damn hippies. And a, and a, lot um, of, a lot of them say they're hippies, and then they're, they're not. Well, yeah, that's the thing. If you listen to, oh, we're about free love and expression, all this, but you have to do it our way, and you can't be, you know, you can't disagree with us. And so my, they're my very. My dad thinks that being a hippie means just having long hair. Yeah, yeah, that's and a lot of most them. Entire person I've ever met. You're not a hippie, dude. So I think about like I think generationally what we've kind of created as our as ourselves, and I know Generation X even to this day, even though we're getting older, we're still trying to be part of that inclusive and so what can we do as these america as these humans in our 40s and 50s how can we better because i know we were raised on a certain viewpoint of queerness and sexuality and we we like you said we're counterculture so we're trying to push against it how can we best push against it does that make sense like as we're growing even as we're getting older and stuff i think it's usually about making space right i feel like Mm -hmm. for queer people it's a lot about yeah. like being allowed to have space mm-hmm. and be giving a platform you. right yeah right. like there's a lot of i don't know i mean just for so the thing about progress is it's always progressing right <laughs> right meaning that like yeah you know, it's yeah. like you always hope it's marching forward and and to a degree if it's always marching forward you can never quite keep up with it mm-hmm. so like okay as a millennial i know i'm already like falling behind a little bit because you yeah. know the zoomers are zooming away <laughs> they're, they're, they're <laughs> up there further than i am yeah. um and and you really actually want that you want it to be moving to a way where you're you're trying to keep up Yep. Right. Yeah. You're always yeah. so always acknowledging that you're you might not be at the forefront of the thing. I feel like is really important for both people in group and out group. Yeah. In this situation, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot too about just uh, diversity and representation. Right. I, I keep coming back to that, and I know that uh, like representation is is not enough. It's not uh, you know the end of the battle there, um, but I think. I, th- I think representation is, is so vitally important, be- especially because it it helps us develop that language, right? That lexicon that, that we need in order to have discussions and around these issues. And it's also really helpful for empathy, just basic oh, sure. empathy, right? Yeah. Like, it's hard to envision it if you never see it, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. So with the representation, and then also being able to, so representation is one thing, but then having the people actually create it who are in it is another level mm-hmm. of importance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I was talking, you know, earlier when we did the other episode about my work that I myself only bring so much diversity because I'm only one person, right? So I can right. do my best to represent a wide cast in my books, but what everybody really needs to do is you've got to go out there and read books by the people who are in any individual group in order to find an actual diversity of mm. thought and idea, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, diversity isn't just one voice, right. right? Diversity needs to be that cast of voices right. that we pull from. Um, but I think too, you know, like like 
being participatory in mm-hmm. these groups, you know, reading queer authors, reading trans authors, right? These th- that's an important step too, as you know, maybe as someone who considers themselves um, an an ally, or you know, may, maybe adjacent to that in group, but not necessarily in that in group. I think too. Um, I think a lot about the people like my father, right, who sees a book um, and gasps at the gabies right um and i think about what our duty you know those of us who maybe aren't in that in group what our duty is and i think our duty isn't just to be like um <laughs> well that's ignorant you know i think you have to confront that i think you have to um i think you have to to step up and say you know that's not cool that you're doing that you know your attitudes are out of date um, nobody likes being confronted with that. Nobody likes having to recognize the limitations in their worldview, but it's still important. Um, my my niece and nephew um, are mixed race, and um, not too long ago, you know, people were looking at my niece and, and nephew with real racial prejudice. Um, and further looking at, toward figures like my sister, who is white, who is married to a black man and thinking, um, well, I mean, there are even people today who think of, of her as like a race traitor. I mean, that the racism really hasn't died, but there um, certainly were a lot more, you know, prevalent voices who might see um, a mixed family, you know, in a, a commercial or something like that, a mixed race family and say like, oh, Oh my gosh! Can you believe that Cheerios commercial? You know, or whatever. Like well, Tucker Carlson does that every night. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, sure. And, and so I think that um, there has to be a willingness to call those issues out and and to really you know confront them and and say this is not okay um, and this is discriminatory and sometimes um, it, it can promote. A, a kind of dangerous violence against members of that community. Um, I think often about well, the- look what happened with the the pandemic, with um, the rhetoric coming out of the the previous administration at the White House, mm. leading to physical attacks on Asian Americans yeah. just because of what was going on with the pandemic. Yeah, an upsurgence of Asian American racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it was on purpose. And on purpose. Yeah, yeah, it was totally they're, because they're yeah. just they're just arsonists. Yeah. Like social arsonists. I mean they he he called he called it the Kung flu, like yeah, deliberately right. trying to incite that violence. If nothing else, that's extremely immature and useless for a public official to say something like that. But it does engender a, a but it's certain evil. kind of violence. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's completely um, wicked. I had a confrontation with my my mother um, just recently. Um, I call it a confrontation. It was, you know, nothing's ever like a real confrontation. I'm not ever gonna like fight my mother. <laughs> um, but we did have a, a pretty stern conversation um, as I was talking about, you know, the importance of. Um, the importance of queerness in in our media. Um, I was I was reading you know one of your books and and I was talking about how much I loved it and I was talking about how important just how brilliant this book is at um, representing certain ideas and I was like I really feel like um, this is just super super important. I wish more people were reading this book because I think they need this conversation. Um, and just sharing my thoughts and, and she kind of turned to me and, and she was like, um, 
so do you think that you uh you know support the lgbtq plus community and just as a side note i was not part of this conversation it would have gone a totally different way yeah. had i been in the living room Seriously. but that's kind of a thing i mean like um my parents don't necessarily know that you're out right um you know part of that is because they just never listen to the show um, my mom listened to to one episode. We were it, it was the interview that we did with Stacy Cade, um, and she was like, "Why do you keep referring to Caitlin as your partner?" And I'm like, "This is an inclusion thing. I'm conscientious about the language that I use, and and I wasn't about to out Caitlin to my mother um, because that's you know Caitlin's decision to make. Um, but I was like, "This is about inclusion. It's about changing the mindset that we have, the language that we use um, in front of one another. I think that's an important component." Um, so anyway, we, we were on the couch, we were talking about it and she's like, um, well, you know that there are members of the LGBTQ community who are trying to, um, make pedophilia. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, fucking wrong mom. Yet again, yet again, Fox news. And, and uh, yeah. And I, or I Newsmax took- or What's the other one? I don't even remember what the other one is. OAN. It's, OAN. it's yeah, seriously yeah, yeah. just I, from I those I took places. her to task with that. And I said, you are fucking wrong about this. And she's like, no, but I'm right. And I said, but you're wrong. <laughs> because you don't know. You're not a member of this community. You don't actually keep up with the discourse. You only see the sliver that is represented to you, misrepresented to you, by those who are seeking to malign this movement. It's the same thing that happened with um, the Uvalde shooter, right, who was um, outed as trans, and he wasn't trans, right? It was uh, another poor girl from the internet who is is um, either going through her transition or she's transitioned. I don't I don't really know exactly who she is, um, but she was innocent of any of this, and it's just a rhetorical tr- tool to drive discourse toward more hate, right? Right? Yeah. And I think that that's what's so frustrating, and 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 why it needs to be, uh, you know, kind of systematically approached every time we hear these things. There needs to be a vigorous pushback against it to say. You're wrong. You don't know the story. You think you know, but you, uh, all of that information has been misrepresented to you. And whether she recognizes it or not, those attitudes, that misrepresentation is a form of violence against this community. Yeah. Yeah. And at the, the if end you're of not the an day, advocate, you're likely causing yeah, damage. And, and at the yeah. end of the day, you know, that that violence isn't just arbitrary. Right. That is violence against you, Marina. That is violence against my wife. That is violence against me in a queer relationship, you know, um, and 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 this needs to be you know, systematically addressed. I think we're past the point of, um, at least for me, we're past the point of love is love. I, yeah, I we were think, having that conversation yeah. in the car last night. Yeah. I was like, I yeah. wish people uh, would just realize love is love. What does it matter if it's between two women, two men, you're in a poly relationship, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's And Trevor was like, we're past that point. You know, we've, what is it you said? Well, I, I just think that um, we need to, Absolutely, we need to accept that. But our messaging needs to be more than just love is love. I think our messaging needs to be, um, uh, no, you know, these are the the people in our communities. These are my neighbors. These are my wife, right? Um, These are uh, friends or or colleagues or coworkers, you know, whatever. Um, I think 
we need to do better about creating space for them, right? And taking a more active role in in confronting, um, you know, the attitudes that would displace them or the sure. attitudes and yeah, that would... That actually, that is really helpful from, like, the queer perspective because you get exhausted yep. doing it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, more straight people. Go, please. These confrontations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, pass the torch. <laughs> I feel like just because you're not part of the community, uh, you feel like it doesn't affect you. Um, it really does. It affects all of us. Um, yeah. And as, I, I feel like it as affects a queer everybody. person, I wish if I could, you know, ask anything of cis people, of our allies, is just even though it may not affect you on a day to day basis like support us fight for our rights um fight for the inclusion um if you hear somebody being ignorant you know say something um because we can all make a change Um, i try to tell the older people in my life like there's no such thing as too much equality there's no it's not it's better for everybody like so get rid of your moral stance or whatever because You'll see that the world is better for you, even if you can just break all that down and, and stop it. You know, like you're only, you're making it worse for that group, and you're and you're making your own reality worse. Like, and they don't even they don't even get that. No. Parting shots. Any any final thoughts from um, either of you, Kate or Marina? Sure. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see a really cool, awesome queer show, <laughs> everybody should go watch Our Flag Means Death, <laughs> which is the current thing that I'm obsessed with. I started to watch that, that actually. It's I listened amazing. to a, a podcast series <laughs> on Blackbeard. And, um, and yeah, I, from that, they mentioned Our Flag Means Death. So I watched the first episode, and I just laughed my ass it's off. It's so it's fun. Hysterical. It is yeah. hilarious. Really good Where show. Where is this streaming? It's on HBO Max. Oh, okay. All right. It's, uh, it's the story of, so Blackbeard had a fellow pirate named, oh, what's his name? The Rise Darby plays him in the and Steed Bonnet. So yeah, Steed, so, yeah, Steed. Yeah, Steed. The great thing about Steed Bonnet, the pirate years, which are very <laughs> narrow when you actually look at them, is yeah. that we have so many stories and no facts. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have the basics of who these people are. We know when they kind of met each other once in a while, and they like cross streams. You know, we're like, oh, what was that guy, Blackbeard, doing over here with this guy who like literally had he was a rich dude who had a midlife crisis and up and left his wife and children and to go be a to pirate. To become a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and that's the true like, story yeah, and that's and where that's it starts a, from. And then at some point, these two pirates, the like most feared men in the Caribbean, and this random terrible pirate, cross paths at some point and like sailed together and you're like, what was going on there? And so, uh, Blackbeard <laughs> is played, I haven't gotten to it yet, but isn't he played by Taiki Waititi? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's oh, really, really, really so it's like, yeah. what was really going on there? What was, what was that story about? Let's find out. And it's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. It's a, it's a, it's funny, and it's funny. It is very, it's very funny. It's extremely funny. That's awesome. <laughs> it's funny in a way that you've probably never seen before. For yeah. me personally, it was like that was a brand new twist on humor entirely. So I thought it was it great. Is, there's so much queer rep. It's great. Like the, <laughs> whole, awesome. the whole, the cast, just their characters, but also the cast themselves. Like the whole thing is just like, <laughs> it's all it's all funny queer people. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 Fantastic. I think I think too like. When I, I don't know, and that's the thing I want to clarify, like when I think of like my friends Trevor and Kate, I don't think of like, I never really 
viewed it as like a hetero marriage or a relationship. I didn't view it as, I just view, viewed it as a marriage, as a relationship. And so I don't know if that too is not doing service to what you guys are after, but I just, I didn't, even as close as we are as friends, I didn't take it to that, oh, I think they're in a hetero. I mean, it's kind of like what that flag means death. I didn't see it. I mean, I didn't, I see the humor. Maybe I've only watched like the one episode, but I didn't, that wasn't the first thing that popped in my sure. mind. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, you know, in my mind, I almost want to say that's a good thing that that's not where my yeah, mind goes. Yeah. Well, that's where the normalization part comes right. in, right? right? Is you're trying yeah. to be like, all right, yeah, like, yeah, so. I didn't catch it queer, either, honestly. Yeah, there's <laughs> a no bunch idea. of queer characters and everything, but nobody has like a coming out story. Right. They're just like characters. They're just yeah. people doing their thing. Yeah. And that was what's so great about it is because yeah. there's so much representation there and they're just being people. And that's yeah. what it is. It's just people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the genuine way of doing, uh, that's the opposite of that corporate like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, here's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll I'll jump on that that yeah. anger about like just and that, the corporatization. Yeah, of these that, that's swords. why that show feels so modern. Our flag means that it yeah, feels yeah. like a really new show because it you know it's got that vibe. The way it handles. Yeah. You watch old stuff yeah. and it makes you go, hmm. Yeah. Like I used to think that was funny. <laughs> no, yeah. but yeah, no, but that's uh, going back to what I was saying before about progress. At one point, was that you want it to be like you want to look back and not be like, oh my god, how could they have think? Could they think that? But like you, that was a stepping stone, right? You had to, you had to get there to get here. So yeah. you're just like it's yeah. all part of the yeah. progress line that you hope yeah. is still shooting. Well, it's it would be like today, like the you know, and there have been individuals that want to. Um, blacklist certain books because they don't agree with like the link like say the famous one is always Huckleberry Finn from from Mark Twain they want to blacklist it because it uses the n-word and it's like no you really need to look at what Mark Twain was saying in that story and why this is a bigger conversation and why we need to, to hold on to it and continue to read it yes the n-word is is all throughout that book but when you really look at the relationships and the things going on, this is still a very important and arguably a very progressive book, even in this day and age. You can't ask people to consider context, though. That's off limits. <laughs> well, that's, the, that's not a thing. You and, I have, you and I have talked about this, Curtis. That's the Gen Xer in me. We it's wanted too Marxist. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gen X used to do things. Ironically, they would do things uh, that looked <laughs> racist or yeah. or um, or bigoted in some way, but they were doing it to shine light on the fact that other people are doing it for real. Like um, South Park recently had to change Token. Uh, they had this kid named Token, and he had a T. He was the only <laughs> black kid on the show. In the year 1998, um, there were tons of TV shows with actual Token characters, and when they did that, they were shining a light on all these goons that are yeah. doing that, and that was the purpose. But now we're 25 years out from that. Don't remind and, me And now that. Gen Zers <laughs> look at South Park and they go, oh my God, how could you have done that? And it's like, time and place matters, yeah. you know, but um, maybe some foresight on the part of the writers, they would have, well, they didn't think South Park would last for 25 years. Yeah. That's part of the problem, too. I didn't but either. Like, acknowledging that it <laughs> needs to evolve is important, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Itself being like, all right, yeah. we've moved past that point in history, and we're at a new point in history, so we're going to evolve. It's really important. I, right, right. There, there well, the same things something. happen on Family Guy and The Simpsons, too. I mean, the the one, Hank Azaria said he's no longer going to voice the, the um, Abu. Abu, the yeah. Abu character. Yeah. And whoever the voice actor is for Cleveland on Family Guy, he was he's, a white. He's a turning white it over to a black. And that's yeah. the um, that's the act of good faith. 
that yeah. these people do need to do at some point Absolutely. to show that they're not just like staunch well, in that I think position. We as audience members too need to have maybe a little bit of grace there for some of the stuff that maybe hasn't aged so well. Not to make apologies for things that haven't aged well, but but maybe to understand that context. And I think that yeah. goes it, it goes for people too because yeah. I don't think people are static. Well, I don't. When, th- when I you're don't... 19, though, you have no way to go back oh. in time like that. No, sure. You can't, you can't put yourself in 1998. But I think I think um, I think a lot about you know some authors who have who have taken a lot of flack and and I'm not going to name any names, but there are some authors who have se- you know taken some flack for some things that they've said in the past um, that are not representative of their attitudes now. And I think that we yeah. need to you know understand that that people um, can evolve, right? The, yeah. the the reason I have a conversation with my mother where I push back a bit against a lot of her attitudes is because I believe in my heart that she can evolve, right? right? Yeah. That there is space for her to grow. I know myself, um, I have gone through that period of, of evolution, right? There was a time yeah. in my life when I was very anti-gay um, and, and here I am married to a queer woman. And, and, um, you know, my attitudes, I think changed ever, you know, before I ever mate, met Caitlin, I don't, I don't know that our relationship ever would have taken off the same way if I hadn't changed. So, so, yeah. so learning when it's time to fight and learning, you know, perhaps when it's time to allow for some grace can go a long way Yeah, and Absolutely. having grace for yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. This, uh, this has been an amazing conversation. Do you guys have anything you want to add before we close up, or do we? Well, I was going to ask Marina. Um, just random. I've been sitting here thinking, like, what is some of your favorite uh, queer literature? Oh, okay. That- this is that thing where you asked me a direct question, and now I have to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, books, I don't know those. Even um, if you take 30 seconds to think about it, I can, I can okay, close we can, the we can gap do it. with okay. the editing. So really, it's some good queer take your time. literature that I know I have read because I read it all the time. <laughs> if you want to think about it, I can totally tell you what I'm reading Yes, right now. you do that. Uh, I, yesterday, me and Trevor were at Target. I bought um, all four volumes of Heartstopper. Oh, okay. Have I you? No, I haven't read that yet. You haven't read it yet? Mm-mm. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I've, I read through two of them, two of the four last night. I couldn't put it down. Um, it is so cute. And for the people that don't know, it's about two... Um, two gay boys in high school, you know, navigating. Uh, one of them's already out. Everybody in school knows that he's out. And the other one, who's a jock, trying to come to terms with, you know, he thought he was straight, but now he likes this boy. So um, he's doing all this research, you know. How do you know if you're gay? Uh, how do you know if you're bisexual? <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> Plug that into Google and take the test. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You yeah. are Googling it. That might be right. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. <laughs> you're already Googling it. <laughs> Where was Google when we were trying to figure out where you are, you know? Um, but it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful cute story um and i caught myself like every time they would like hold hands or kiss or hug i'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like this just makes me happy you know yeah. um yeah and i wish it was also kind of bittersweet because it's like i wish i could have been out like that in my high school but i i was from a very very small rural high school um 100 people we had one gay kid that was a couple of grades older than me mm-hmm. um and everybody just gave him hell. Yeah. Um, 
And so I was like, well, at the time, I didn't really know what I was. I knew I liked girls, and I knew I liked guys, but um, I wasn't about to be gay, you know? That was what the terrible, like, so, yeah, so I, I knew when I was, like, in first grade that I was bi. But, like, you immediately get told, you know, because you got little crushes on people. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's a girl, and I don't have a crush on her, so, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, but you're immediately told, so for me, at least, it was like, all right, you you can be one or the other was, like. Pick the, a side. Pick that's a side was kind of the, like, all right, you either like girls or you like boys. But also, if you like girls and you're a girl, that's bad. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. and I was like, well, I definitely also like boys, so I guess I'm on the boy side because, like, I'm not going to be on the bad side. That's like, the right you one. You know, you're right? like, okay, well, I definitely like the boys, so I guess I'm straight because that's where it's okay to be. So, that was kind of the little. And we were closeted gay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you're just kind of like in the, I guess I'm picking a. I guess I'm going that way. And then eventually you get to like, wait a minute. The whole point problem arose when you told me I had to pick a side. This is, this yeah. is the issue. Well, anyone, it, any one person can crush on another person. And it's funny to me when people say man crush. Because I'm like, why can't you just say crush? You have a crush? Yeah, you, I've got a man or crush a, on or, or bromance. Chris Pratt or whatever. I'm like, you've got a crush on you Chris Pratt. Say, yeah. It's yeah. like putting the word man on it like removes the, the vulnerability yeah. somehow. It's not gay man. It's, it's a man yeah, crush. It's different. It's totally normal for a woman to have a crush on another woman or a man to have a crush on another man and still be straight or... Right, know. nothing fundamentally changes. There's so many things about, like, if we just allowed people to, like, think about themselves for a while, instead of putting something X, Y, and Z is bad if you stray out of these lines that we've yeah, created for you, yeah. then you would, like, like the, just the spectrum of humanity would be so much happier in general, because they'd all be like, oh, well, I had a gay thought once, but I guess I'm fine. You know what? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like so many dudes would just be better if they were like, I had a gay thought once, and just acknowledge it and move yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, weirdly enough, um, when I was teaching, um, I, I was always told, like, teaching is a performance, so adopt a pers persona. And, and so I was, as I was kind of working through, like, what is my teaching persona? Who am I? Um, I was like, I, I think I'm going to make just a lot of homoerotic jokes as I was teaching. <laughs> and... Um, and I, 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 I could have gone so. That was a, that was like a bad decision. Just but, so you know. I mean, it was. In it our was next episode, we'll introduce our audience to Title IX. <laughs> no, it was just always so funny because when I was like with other teachers, right? They they would make these jokes or whatever. I was teaching Spanish, and and so you know sometimes you just you gotta throw in a joke every now and then to like liven up the audience, and. Um, yeah, so I, I got into this role where I was really like, I don't want my jokes to be too gendered one way. I want my jokes to, you know, cross a, a much broader spectrum. Um, and so I just got comfortable with, you know, just like, they're going to think of me the way they think of me. I really don't care um, as long as they're showing up, you know, for Spanish class and learning Spanish. Um, yeah, so I would make, <laughs> I would make these uh, homoerotic jokes, and, and I did get one one kid. Um, I'm pretty sure I know who it was, but the, in my uh, eval, my teacher evals, they were like, 
I feel confused and threatened by his sexuality. And, <laughs> and I just thought Whoa. it was absolutely hilarious. Threatened. And it was so funny. He said threatened? He said threatened, yeah. Ooh. It was super duper funny. Was that, was that before or after you killed me off for the class? <laughs> no, no, no. This, this was in my Spanish teaching days, not my English teaching days. We worked at the same uh, community college, and, uh, and he quit kind of unceremoniously so I had to take on one of his classes there was a bit of a ceremony (laughs) on my part (laughs) he danced his way out of the class anyway so he quit and so um, I inherited his class to teach and I came in and a lot of the kids who had signed up knowing that it was Jeremy's class you know found me instead what a letdown and um, I came to the front of the class and I was like "Um, so many of you uh, may notice I'm Mr. Williamson I am not Mr. Billingsley um, I'm very sorry to say, uh, but Mr. Billingsley is no longer with us. <laughs> and there was one kid in the back who was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I and after a, a good beat, I was like, he's not dead. He just doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> and you can hear everybody go. And, and the one kid, <sighs> the same kid in the back was like. <laughs> he was the only guy who left at that joke. He had to go through the full spectrum of emotion. If I were in the he room, would do all five stages. <laughs> yeah. If I were in the room, there would have been two guys that did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. It was pretty funny. Well done, sir. <laughs> Very funny. No, I, I just think you know. Um, there's so much I think that you can become comfortable with if if you just destigmatize it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This uh, I feel like has been an amazing discussion. I can't wait to air this. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Kate. we're gonna circle back. Did you oh. think of what you were? Oh thinking? no, shoot. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. right. So we never did wait, answer that. That's saved for the hot take. Subscribe see. to our Patreon to find out what Marina Law said or reads. Cemetery Boys was really good. I actually have I've looked at yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's worth reading. Yeah, for sure. That's that's lots of fun. It's a YA. Do you remember who the ri- yeah. who the writer of that is? Uh, Adrian Thomas. I'm gonna say that, and then it's gonna be totally wrong. Let me Google it. <laughs> we can always edit that too, right, Curtis? Yeah. I recently purchased several queer uh, YA, and I'm really looking forward to reading it. Um, yeah, Victory's Greater Than Death. Also, Charlie Jane Andrews YA. That's oh yeah. Spacey. Okay. Aiden Thomas, Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. Okay, cool. Nice. Awesome. So you were wrong. I was wrong. Okay. Not Adrian. <laughs> Have you read um, Call Me By Your Name? No. I you need to. Have you seen the movie? No. But I, I'm aware. I am aware. <laughs> I know these things. I just haven't experienced these things yet. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. Uh, I found that a few years ago. Um, Andre Osman, I think that's how you say his name. Um, but yeah, that's a beautiful story. Um, kind of controversial. It's because it's like a, a guy in his mid 20s, you know. And like a, a 17 year old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a beautiful story. And the movie does it justice so well. Um, but I would recommend that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Others that I know of, but I haven't read it. Um, she Who Became the Sun. It's supposed to be really good. Uh, Sophic fantasy. Um, what's another one that I know off the top of my head? Um, KB Wagers, they do a lot of cool, queer, sci-fi stuff. 
just trying to name things now that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it actually is hard to do, like, just off the top of your head. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. You know. so I had lists of things. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> no, like, yeah. You know, what, one thing we could do, too, is when we publish this episode, um, that gives everyone time to think about this stuff. We could always attach it to the episode and, and kind oh, of, like, like especially, like, there? social yeah. media and yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and, and take some of the pressure and off. I mean, social media too. I think is great for discovering new voices. Um, I'm really into uh, Haley Piper right now. Um, she's a, a trans author in horror, um, writing some crazy stuff. Um, Eric Laraca too. A very different representation, I think, of um, you know queer horror. Uh, it's very unlike a lot of other queer horror or, or really just queer literature in general, which I think is, you know, trying to be kind of like neat and, um, uh, you know, like feel good. And Eric Laraca is like, nope, uh, you know, <laughs> queer people can be just as fucked up as the rest of us. And I think that that too is refreshing representation. You know, again, it kind of deepens our understanding of like, People are people, right? right. And they have yeah. people problems. And, and um, you know, in our literature, we need to confront the problems and the problematic attitudes just as much as we need to celebrate the good, the wholesome, the the utopian, you know, ideas in, in queer relationships. Right. Support queer rights and also queer's wrongs. The memification goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I feel like this could be a topic we could just continue just all day long. And I feel like, I don't know if I want to frame this episode as we kind of come to a close. I feel like this is not the all-encompassing discussion of this conversation. This is like a, a starting point. And it's a, an opening of the doors to get this conversation started and to continue it and to give it a platform for which it could continue. Um, and thrown it out there, if you're a listener um, and you've written some cool stuff and you really have uh, an opinion to share with us about queer representation, um, either in your literature or other literature, reach out to us. We'd yep. love to have you on the show to have a talk. Yep. We have the anthology coming out soon. We have uh, Curtis Harrell's Mel Pomini's Garden coming out. We have a few other novels coming out this year. Um, we want to thank our guests again, Marina Lostetter and uh, Trevor's partner, Kate, for joining us today. And uh, I prefer to think of myself as Kate's partner. Okay, I can do that. Just, just throwing that out. There. That's weird to, for me to try and... i got to think about how to say that then. And And... Thankful to <laughs> yeah. Trey K partner for one just just thrown up <laughs> just <laughs> the ending here. Um, but until next time, just keep keep us all in mind and, and follow us on social media and and we just really are thankful for everybody. We're thankful for Wayne Howard Studios and for everybody that, that follows and supports us. So thank you everyone. Yeah, if you'd like to support the studio, uh, help us keep going. We got a Patreon, patreon.com slash Wayne Howard and find us on Instagram as well, Wayne Howard Media. Mm-hmm.